Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor, thestreet.com. Chris, how are you? Good, Rob. How's it going today? It's going well. It's uh, getting closer to the holidays, and it kind of feels that way. Um, Square IPO came public. This is a company that looked really, really fascinating about a year ago. You know, the little dongle you put into your iPhone, you swipe it. Maybe uh, my personal experience was my hairdresser was the first person to show it to me. My hairdresser, the person who cuts my hair is probably a better way of saying that. Um, and it was pretty cool. Uh, she got paid faster. It's a little bit of a disruptor. Uh, a year later, not that exciting to me. What happened or, or where are we at with uh, Square? I think a lot of what we've seen, you know, in terms of, as it relates to Square and and the value of the company, is a broader is a broader issue. Uh, you know, tech investors or investors in general are not terribly happy with Silicon the companies that are coming out of Silicon Valley. You know, public market investors are saying, "Hey, wait a minute, some of these companies, you know, they might be great ideas, but they're not actually great businesses." And we've kind of seen that with you know companies like Box. Um, GoPro, which has crashed, you know, nearly 70% this year. Even Twitter, which is run by uh, Jack Dorsey, who also runs Square. So, you know, they're 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 being a little they're being really hard on these companies as they come public. Um, and Square, you know, went public at a price that, you know, many people didn't think it would reach that le- that low of a level. But so far, public market investors seem to be winning out because they priced it so low that uh, it had nowhere to go but up. So why did they lower the price so much? Um, is it just so that they ultimately look like winners when the end of the day shows they're up 20% uh, versus, you know, flat on their IPO debut? Yeah, this is a classic case of Wall Street wanting to, to make some quick, easy money. So they they priced uh, the IPO at $9, which hurts some, you know, earlier investors in Square. and They wound up taking one for the team on this one. Um but now you see the stock up like around $13 or so, you know, where it's currently trading. So, you know, the people who were able to get in at that $9 a share price, you know, made some fast, easy money for, you know, really not doing a whole heck of a lot of work. Um, so really this is all just a case of Wall Street making some easy money. Gotcha. Future of Square, it seems like they've got a lot of competition with Google Payments and Apple Payments and Visa doesn't, you know, certainly want to roll over and die. Um, is there is there space for Square? Have they carved off enough niche in the small business market to survive? Yeah, a lot of money. I think I think Square, you know, definitely has, um, you know, its its niche. You know, they're not really competing with you know things like Apple Pay, um, Google Pay, and you know, even Visa is not really that big that big of a competitor. Visa is actually an investor in Square. Um, they're competing more with you know companies like Verifone or First um, First Data Corp. You know the payment processors, and they they also have a business Square Capital, which lends money to small businesses. So you could sort of think of them as, almost like a, as a, a financial services company, uh, more so than like just a payments company. So yeah, there, there's plenty of room for Square to to continue to operate. You know they said that they only have about. 15% of the small businesses that they could potentially have. So there's a lot of legroom for there as long as they continue to, to effectively sell the company. 
Anything else that we need to know about the Square IPO today? No, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if Jack Dorsey, who's the, the CEO of Square, eventually does wind up at one company or the other, whether it's Twitter or Square. That's been a concern for both companies. And, you know, if Square, you know, or Twitter underperform, you know, on a quarterly basis, you know, a couple times, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dorsey to pick one or the other, and it'll be interesting to see which one he picks. Moving onward in your world of technology, I'm speaking with Christopher Chris Siaccia, tech editor for TheStreet.com. Um, Starboard now doing kind of an about-face with Yahoo and saying, keep the Alibaba assets, sell the Yahoo assets. What's going to happen to poor Marissa Mayer? There, you know, I, I almost feel bad for her at this point. Um, I mean, I've been critical on her, uh, of her. You know, a lot of other people have been critical of, of Marissa and Yahoo in the past. It seems like Yahoo is, you know, this this once great Internet company that time has just simply passed its by. It's a media company. It's not a technology company. You know, they can't compete effectively in search. Google dominates that space. They're too reliant on desktop um, when it comes to their advertising revenue. Desktop is clearly not growing. You know, they don't have a real big presence in mobile. They, they love to talk about their mobile presence, but it's minuscule. It's peanuts compared to a company like a Facebook or uh, or a Google uh, in terms of mobile revenue. So, you know, for for Starboard to, to do this about face and say sell the core assets and, and keep, um, you know, the Alibaba stake because it's too much of a risk in terms of taxes, you know, again, this is a typical Wall Street, okay, what's good for me is great, but what's good for you I don't really care about. Um, so it just seems like it's a, a catch-22 situation for Marissa, and it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. It seems like there's going to be a massive reorg no matter what because executives are fleeing the company, and uh, there's pressure because there's been you know no revenue growth for three years, and you know the time is ticking per se. Uh, this, it, would this company do you think be better as a private company versus a public company where it takes away that pressure? I think that's one thing that's definitely had been considered in the past, but there are a lot of shareholders who don't want private equity to just swoop in and steal this thing and then restructure it and then reap all the all the benefits. So that's that's been a constant ongoing battle between public investors and private equity. But you know, from a company perspective, you're right. It probably would be do would be better off to do this in the private eyes where it's not, you know, constantly judged on a 90-day basis and it can, you know, let go, you know, however many thousands of people it needs to and kind of invest in the business without having to worry about, okay, am I spending too much this quarter or not enough or, you know, whatever Wall Street's going to worry about this quarter. So, yeah, I mean, there's been that's all, but it's a constant battle back and forth and who knows when, when or if that ends. Chris, what else are you seeing in the world of technology that's important right now? I, I think this Square IPO is an interesting uh, study as to as it relates to, to Silicon Valley and you know some of these you know big private companies like Uber or Pinterest or Snapchat or Lyft um, and as it relates to their futures you know potentially as a publicly traded company. There's a lot riding on this Square IPO um, and it had to do well and so far it is. And I think that that's going to give public market investors some confidence that, you know, maybe not all these tech companies that are private 
are uh, are are worthless or, or worth a lot less than what people originally thought. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, into 2016 as some of these companies start to come public. Obviously, Uber and Lyft should probably be coming public maybe in 2016, 2017. Any other companies that you see that are on the roadmap that you would be interested in? I think one that probably goes under the radar is Palantir, uh, which is co-founded by Peter Thiel, who helped start, you know, uh, PayPal and is a really famous venture capitalist. I think Palantir, which, while it's not, you know, a consumer-facing company, it deals in an area of big data, which is incredibly hot right now, and it generates a lot of revenue uh, from the U.S. government. It has contracts with the CIA and uh, some other government agencies. So we'll see what happens there, and if you know the, the U.S. government would ever let it go public because of how confidential some of the information could be, um, you know, in terms of national security. So that's that's the, the company that I'm most interested to see what happens with. Thanks very much. That is the one, the only Chris Siaccia, the tech editor for TheStreet.com, joining us with some insights into the IPO market. Another IPO that's out there today, Match.com. Obviously, um, you know, swipe right is what it's all about. Uh, it's, you know, tender's a big play. But on top of that, it, it's fair to say that, you know, Match.com still has quite a business uh, on its own. So we'll watch as that one plays out today. Uh, hip to be square, you know, the... It's an interesting one because it's a transaction company that's losing a lot of money, and they haven't really shown any leverage. And at some point in time, you want to be able to show people, I, here's my path to profitability. So we'll see how long people put up with um, that lack of roadmap uh, because people are going to ultimately want it. But the IPO has done remarkably well um, out of the gate at this point in time. Now, again, with much lower expectations. As of last week, people were expecting it to price somewhere around 20 to 22, and it priced at 9. So the fact that it moves up to 14 from 9, um, you know, the day really only moved from 11 to 14 because, you know, the first trade was at about 11. So a uh, little misleading, but we'll see how that one plays out today because, uh, a lot of companies that are private right now, they don't have the roadmap to profitability. And what they're doing right now is kind of like seeing what the litmus test is out there for, you know, what people are willing to value at a $2 billion company or a $3 billion company or a $4 billion company. Federal regulators today approved a genetically engineered salmon as fit for consumption, clearing the way for the first genetically altered animal to reach American supermarkets and dinner tables. The FDA comes uh, with approval more than five years after the agency reviewers made their initial determination that fish would be safe to eat and for the environment. A pretty long delay. That's how long it takes to get approval. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Singing in the sun.